0: at EricssonCovenant.ca. Let's get started.
1: Just do it. You know that one? This, you know, very few advertising slogans had the impact of this one, actually. It really defined, penetrated, maybe even represented uh, a generation. 35 years ago now, Nike came out with this uh, slogan. Three simple words that did capture imaginations, it motivated dreams, it helped people overcome whatever their unique barrier was, or maybe achieving some particular goal. Just do it became a mantra for millions. I heard a couple snickers because it, you're a millennial or a Generation Z. You, this had a viral resurgence when uh, uh, Shield of Buff made a one minute inspirational video. Uh, which I thought about showing to you. But he screams, just do it, over and over, and he interlaces it with uh, some motivational self-talk for a new generation of people that still feel stuck. And uh, it's actually pretty funny. Anyway, uh, I, I digress. But there's a reason why this slogan has been so meaningful and so strong. How many, is, how many of us feel like we just can't get moving on the things that matter? well, just do it, right? How many of us struggle with procrastination or lack of discipline? How many of us wrestle to stay consistent with the very things we know are good for us, are healthy for us, the things that will lead us to the things that we really want in our lives? And what do we need to do? Say it together. Just do it, right? As much as we struggle We know that we know that we know that nothing of the good or the healthy or the significant really moves forward in our lives without our participation in it, without some response from us, without putting on the ground what we know, without doing something with what we've been given by grace. Just do it. Thinking about... um, Luke 2.52 and how Jesus grew up and we talked about how we can use that as a bit of a framework for us growing up into Christ. The truth is we will not grow in wisdom without doing the things that grow our God-honoring life-applied intelligences. We're not going to grow in stature without doing the things that make us healthy and fit and strong. We're not going to grow in our relationship with God without doing the things that open us up to the working of the Holy Spirit within us. We're not going to grow in relationships with others without doing the things required to receive healing for our brokenness or help us love others as God loves them. We've got to just do something with what we've been given. As Christ followers, we know that everything we have is a gift of grace. We know that. That's like square one. It's basic gospel. We don't do anything to earn salvation in Christ, to earn God's favor on us. This is freely given. This is God's grace, and we praise God for that. That's our foundation. But just because we don't do anything to earn God's favor doesn't mean we don't do anything in response to it. All through the scriptures, we're called, in view of God's mercy, to offer our whole selves as living sacrifices to love God with the whole of our being, to seek the kingdom of God with all that we are, with all that we have. Because Jesus did it, we do it. And that's how the gospel works. We respond to Jesus with the whole of our gifted and grace formed lives. So today we're continuing in our masterclass in Luke's gospel. It's the third of the four gospels, the historically reliable accounts of Jesus of Nazareth. And we've been following along in Luke's gospel with the eye of an apprentice, trying to take the gospel of Luke and, 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 and learn it. How can we live it? How can we implement it into our lives? Because as his apprentices, as disciples, that's the bias we have. And so we've been reading it along, learning from Jesus, And we've been in a longer block of Jesus teaching through Luke chapter 6. Very practical, very challenging stuff that Jesus has been giving to us. We're at the climax today of that section of teaching. Now maybe you missed some of it. Maybe you're a regular Erickson Covenant, but you missed a few. All of these Masterclass messages are posted on our YouTube channel. They're on Apple Podcasts. They're on our website and we do encourage you to, to listen in on the ones you missed, and maybe even some of them you were here, but you missed some of it. And so it's a way of catching up with that, because we want to be apprentices of the master together. And taking up the Gospel of Luke is the way we've been, one of the ways we've been doing that. So Jesus wraps up this teaching block today, and he does so with a profound challenge, that we should do what he says. Jesus has been laying out a whole bunch of stuff that challenges both our actions and our attitudes, and we've been going through this for weeks now, but he's been challenging us to, for example, recognize the spiritual dangers of comfort and wealth, and to trust that even when things are a struggle, when we are experiencing financial struggle or being mistreated or despised in some way for his sake, that we're actually experiencing a blessed life, which is counter to what we would have thought. Jesus challenged us to love our enemies, to do good to those who mistreat us, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who persecute us. He's challenged us to live and to give and to forgive with a generosity that flows from God himself. And instead of giving in to judgment or condemning others, Jesus tells us that we are to be a people who instead allow the Holy Spirit permission to purge our hearts to examine our lives so that we're actually a people far more concerned with what, uh, uh, the things that Jesus is trying to deal with in our lives than we are with others, far more concerned with tending the treasure of our hearts so that what's flowing out of us represents the God who lives there. Intensely personal and intensely practical. That's what Jesus has been doing as he teaches his apprentices then and his apprentices now how we're to live like him and follow him. And then he caps it all off with this. Are you ready for it? It's in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. I'm going to read it from the NIV. It'll be on the screen, but I encourage you to look up in whatever Bible you might have on your phone or paper. Here it goes. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete." Jesus wants us to hear him really plainly. If we say we follow Jesus, then it follows that we follow his teaching. Jesus is never teaching for our theoretical enjoyment, right? He's never teaching so that we can just sort of toss things around. Oh, that's a nice idea. Jesus teaching is meant to be lived out, not just talked about. It's meant to be acted upon, not just argued about. And all of this flows from his lordship or his authority, from who Jesus is as our master. To call him Lord, to regard him as master, means by definition that we take what he says seriously enough that we do it in our lives. That we put his teaching into practice. Uh, Even, or maybe especially, in those very places that we find difficult to understand. Or hard to do. Where following the teaching of Jesus requires real trust in him because it doesn't seem obvious to us how that's a good thing. Loving your enemies, for example. Jesus calls us to trust him in action by actually obeying him. And then he gives this powerful promise using the analogy of two houses in a storm, both experiencing buffeting storms, one built on a solid foundation, one built without any foundation at all. Jesus challenges us to do what he says and reap the benefits of a well-built life that is unshakable and strong. And the only difference between the house that's unshakable, the life that is unshakable, and the life that's shaken down is in one single word, do. That's the word that's used here. Uh, Various translations will pick it up in different ways. Putting into practice is a great way of rendering it, but it actually is not a phrase in Greek. It's one word, do. And it's the simple word. It's the word you would like, they're doing that. It's a very simple word, do. And that's the only difference between these two houses. Because hearing the teaching of Jesus, which lots of people did and do, hearing the teaching of Jesus was not enough being present here in our masterclass series, sitting with the gospel of Luke, joining a connect group and learning further, reading to or listening to the Bible, learning about who God is and what Jesus has done. That's all essential, but it's not sufficient. I mean, you got to be able to hear in order to obey, right? You got to understand kind of what's going on in order to start implementing it into your life, of course. But hearing is not enough to create a well-built, unshakable life. It's only in the doing of the teaching of Jesus, by putting his words into practice in our actual lives, that we find our lives firm and unmovable when the inevitable torrents come. Come. Last week, I was reading along in just another book unrelated to this particularly, and I picked up on this quote. It says, the Christian finds out the will of God not to contemplate it, but to do it. When we are seeking the will of God, it's with an actionable stance. In essence, Jesus says his disciples are, in some way, to just do it. Just do it. His followers, his apprentices are marked out by that kind of obedient action. Action that's lived out on the ground in really difficult circumstances in the midst of conflict and struggle and ambiguity where they're actually loving a real enemy, not just a theoretical one. Like that guy, that guy that I work with and I hate him. Or her down the street. How do I love her? How do I bless, use positive words to talk about and to someone that insists on using awful words about me and slandering me behind my back? You know how hard that is? Anyone? Doing unto others, as we saw, not only, you know, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus takes it up a few notches when he says, actually, do unto others as your heavenly Father does for them. You know, the Father who who is gracious and loving towards the ungrateful and wicked, do to them like that. He's calling us to express with our whole being in practical ways that we have an allegiance to him as our master. His way of being in the world is being implemented in our lives. Jesus says, you call me Lord and master? Then do what I say. Just do it. And if you do, Jesus says, you'll stand whenever comes. You'll stand when everyone else is crashing down around you. You will stand. Now, again, like most of the teaching of Jesus, this is not hard to understand theoretically. But it is difficult to live out, isn't it? When we really get into the task of implementing and doing the teaching of Jesus, we will run quickly into situations where it feels like he must not have meant now right? Like, I know Jesus, you, you want me to do this, but you didn't mean this situation, right? Am I the only one who wonders sometimes if Jesus really understood what was going on in my life in 2023? But he does. He means it. And so, I have a question for you, and I'd love to hear some of your responses. Maybe I'll just get you to shout out some quick responses, and I'll repeat them for those who are joining us online. That being true, that it's clear what Jesus is sort of saying, and yet, let's be honest, we all find reasons not to submit to Jesus' authority and not do what he says. So what are some of those reasons why we might not submit to his authority? We might not do what Jesus says. Shout it out. What are some of the reasons? It's easy not to. Thanks. What else? Too busy. I don't trust Jesus. Thank you. That's absolutely true. We don't want to. And what are some of the reasons why we may not want to? They don't deserve it. Fear. How much work is this? Work is this? Oh, is this going to be? I might have to change my. Perspective or life, yeah. What are, what are some of the other reasons we don't do this? It's it is painful. It goes against people you love. Okay, so it might go against people that you love. It might go against their beliefs. Yeah, yeah. What else? What are the reasons why? We don't submit to Jesus' authority. We don't do what he says. Very inconvenient. Maybe we don't agree with them. Like, Jesus, come off it. How good is it going to be for me to keep talking nice about that guy who's slandering me when I've got the dirt on him? (laughs) Uh, Right. What else? What are some of the reasons? Pride? Yeah. We're not paying attention? Are you thinking of some particular things, Cheryl? I keep coming... Okay, yeah, we just forget. We're not thinking, we're just bumbling along, things happening, we're, not, we're forgetting that we're supposed to be doing this stuff. Yeah. We might not understand exactly what Jesus is talking about. Yes, there's a, there is a knowledge base here, which we'll come to in a moment, but we may not even know Jesus teaching well enough to even obey it. I mean, that might be a first thing for some of us. We say, well, I believe in Jesus, I, but we actually, when you get down to brass tacks, we don't really know what Jesus actually taught, and so it's hard to obey it or implement it when we aren't aware of it or fully uh, in touch with it. Yeah? I find the closer you get to Jesus, the more you get to know him, the more your life just starts to reflect that. Okay. So what you're saying, Crystal, I just want to repeat so that everyone can hear it. So the closer we get with Jesus, the more our lives reflect him, yeah. which in some sense, as we nurture that relationship with Jesus, we become it becomes easier to love more others. attuned. Yeah, yeah, it becomes easier to love others, or we're able to follow along because of that connection with him. So if we're struggling to obey, it might also be because we really haven't been connecting, yeah. haven't been nurturing that relationship with him. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Crystal. Just repeating what, what you were saying. How, how about this one? The truth is, we have other authorities operating in our lives. There are other things that we look to for the authority of how we should act and what we should do. We may not think of them that way. But there's competing authorities of who's got the right perspective. What should we do in this situation? How should we act? And some of those authorities might be Uncle Ben from growing up, or it might be a a, a group that you're with, or it might just be the cultural worldview that we have. But those are authorities that compete with the authority of Jesus. Maybe we don't trust the Bible, let alone trust Jesus. Any other ones you want to throw out? Reasons why we don't submit to the authority of Jesus or don't obey him? We don't think, cap- we don't think, capable. We don't think we're capable. Yeah. We might look at things and just go, well, that's for, the, that's for that tiny percentage of people that really are good or saintly, but the rest of us, we're just hopeless. Excellent. So Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes we don't realize that there's the work of the evil one there to take away uh, you know, or get our eyes off the authority of Jesus or distract us with other things. Yeah, that's, absolutely. There is an evil one at work. Absolutely. So there, are, I, I think it's an important question to ask, especially as we struggle with the, the just do it. You know, because, man, I, uh, I hope those of you who have been around for a while and heard me lots know that um, I want, all of our action, because I believe the scripture wants, all of our action to be rooted in grace. Like, I don't want anybody walking away from your day feeling like, man, did I just get pummeled in the Sunday service? Like, oh, I've got to do it, but I'm just so, you know. No, it's in grace. But there is a responsiveness, and there is a decision to be made, and there's an actionability to this. And, and Jesus wants to see us with well-built lives, right? I mean, Who wants to be the house that collapses? Anyone? Who wants to be that one on the right side of the screen? The impending doom is coming, right? Nice house to live in, by the way. As apprentices of Jesus, Jesus knows there's only one way to life. There's only one way to an unshakable house a well-built life. And it strikes us odd. I know it does. To to hear Jesus say, look, I'm going to tell you the key to life. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to make it through all the junk and all the persecution and all the storms and all the complications. I'm going to tell you what you have to do. Are you ready? Are you ready? And we think, yes! Give it to me! Do what I say. Really? That's it? Do what I say. And Especially in those times where it feels really hard. Jesus is saying, trust me and my grace. Trust me that I have your best interests in mind and the hope of the whole world. When I say, love your enemies, bless those who persecute and and, and be the kind of people that shower the love of God on a world that is ungrateful. Be those kind of people and you'll have an unshakable life. But through you will come my good news and grace to the world. Jesus knows how it works. He really does. We can trust him. And so there's a choice or a challenge here at the end of his teaching to his disciples say, are you going to be the kind of people that hear me and don't just hear me, but do what I say. We're given the power of the Holy Spirit, given all the grace in the world to walk in forgiveness and freedom. I love the one line in the confession of sin that we had today. Something about releasing us from paralysis and into the freedom and energy of forgiven people. The freedom and energy of forgiven people. Ooh, I like that. Because that's what animates this action. We're not doing the teaching of Jesus out of this incredible sense of begrudgery or like we're just like trying to make it, we're help. No, there's a freedom and a life and a power that we're given in grace by the Spirit to implement the teaching of Jesus into our lives and live so radically differently. But there is an order to this, isn't there? There's a way in which this flows out of our lives. And so as we move toward closing, I want to give some practical thoughts about that. Because to be a people who do it, who put into practice the teaching of Jesus, there's some things that do need to be in place. We can only put into practice what we've learned, right? Now, I do know sometimes we can get trapped in this idea, well, I haven't learned enough yet. Well, that's not true. The thing about the teaching of Jesus is it's never terribly difficult to understand. Some of it is, but most of it's not. It's just hard to do. As we learn, we can put into practice almost immediately. But we do need to learn. We do need to be students of the gospel. We need to be people who are committed to, to, to reading and immersing ourselves in the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in particular. Right now we've been going through Luke, but you know, pick pick your book. It's fine but to be immersed in the story of Jesus so that as we're learning from him and about him, that we can immediately start putting into practice what he says and following his example. Sometimes we say, yes, I follow Jesus, but we've become so out of touch or we haven't committed ourselves to learning who Jesus is and the story of Jesus that it's hard to exactly know what we mean when we say, well, let's put his teaching into practice. So we need to learn. We also can only put into practice if we trust. This is the uh, authority piece. This is true in any field, you understand. If you're an apprentice in a, in, in, a, like in a shop and you're learning how to fix cars and the master mechanic says, drain this plug, and you say, really? Can I trust you? And then you shout at another mechanic, is he lying to me? Right? You know how long you'd work there? You would make it past the first break, Right? And so in any apprenticeship or any learning, you have to trust the person. Unless they give you a real good reason not to. It's a trust who's teaching. They know what they're they're saying. They're trying to show you something. You've got to trust. This is true in so many areas of study. And it's really true with Jesus. That as we look at the character of Jesus, as we see what he's done, as we look at the whole story, We've got to submit ourselves to him as a person and trust what he's saying, particularly in those moments where doing what he says seems contradictory or hard to do. We can only put into practice if we trust. We also can only put into practice the things that we're willing to engage in directly. This is hands-on stuff, not hearsay. We don't just, I mean, we can learn from others, of course, and we should learn from others. I love learning from the bad experiences of others, don't you? It's wonderful to learn from the bad experiences of others. Um, because I just might not lose a finger in that saw because I learned from the experience of my friend. Um, But in the end, we have to be willing to engage directly in the teaching of Jesus. It's not good enough to just watch someone else obeying him. We have got to engage it directly. We also can only put into practice what we're first willing to fail at. Some of us are stuck. How many of you are willing to admit it? How many of you have a hard time trying anything because you're afraid to fail at it? How many of you have taken a painting class and we're a little discouraged that you weren't, you know, Monet or Picasso by the end of the first class, <laughs> right? So sometimes we get so stuck on perfection that we don't even try. And the thing about, well, frankly, learning anything is you gotta be willing to fail, epically, badly. As a writer, you gotta be willing to write the first draft and have it be terrible. I know that. Lots of my sermons don't get past that first draft and I give them to you anyway. But you have to be willing to (laughs) go for it. And sometimes you fail and it's okay because the learning process is a process of failing and then learning and then trying again and talking to others and failing and learning again and getting a little bit better, right? And so putting Jesus' teaching to practice, it's not like you're expected or we're expected. Nobody's expecting this. Jesus is not expecting this, that somehow you're just gonna nail it the first time. Are you gonna nail loving your enemies the first time? Are you gonna nail it really well? Anyone? No, you probably won't nail it well in the 15th time either. But the point is, in order to put the teaching of Jesus into practice, we need to be willing to fail first. Fail lots. Fail often. As maybe fail quick, they say, and you can learn to get it right. A little sooner. And then, of course, we can only put into practice what we're convinced matters the most of all. And this brings us back, yes, to the authority of Jesus, but to the teaching of Jesus itself. Somehow in our minds, we've got to really grasp and trust that this teaching of Jesus, even here in Luke chapter 6, but expand that out, it really, really does detail for us what matters the most. Like if we would somehow take that to heart and say, wow. This is the stuff that will shape my life. This is what it, I don't even I don't even get how this all works, but Jesus says if I will take his teaching and put it into practice in my life, the result of that will be a life that can withstand incredible storms, incredible difficulties. This must really matter. This must really really matter. And there's a lot of things that are competing for our attention in our lives. A lot of things competing for our headspace. A lot of things that are trying to dictate or tell us what's important or what's not. We can only put the teaching of Jesus really into practice in our lives when we're convinced that what he's telling us matters most of all. Well, let's move toward a finish today. I'd like you to consider, what's uh, teaching of Jesus that you need to obey now. Don't, don't shout this out. I'm asking you to consider this. What is a teaching of Jesus? Uh, you can narrow it right here to Luke chapter 6. But expand it out if you like. Maybe you already know what it is. But what is a teaching of Jesus that you're struggling to obey That the Holy Spirit has been saying, come on, it's time uh, that you're that you're wrestling with. What is one teaching of Jesus that you need to implement? You know it. You know it, but you're kind of like Snoopy on the house. Just do it later. But it's time. As you've been exploring, as you've been listening, as you've been walking around, as you've been hearing the teaching of Jesus even this morning, you realize this is the day. I've got to decide to just do it. I've been lingering. I've been holding back. I've been fudging. I've been wondering. I've been making excuses. It's time. I've got to do it. Maybe it has to do with your giving. Maybe it has to do with a a loving, a, a difficult family member. Maybe it has to do with seeking restitution. Maybe it has to do with, 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 with a, a confessing sin. I don't know what it might be, but Jesus has lots of teaching for us and the Holy Spirit can help you narrow that down. What is one teaching of Jesus that you know you need to just do it? In the power of the Spirit, with Jesus' help, and you're gonna fail a bunch doing it, but you've got to start putting it into practice now. Those of us who are not committed followers of Jesus here today or online. This is actually a wonderful test case for you. I mean it. I mean it. See, Jesus' promise about teaching, if it goes out to anyone. And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I don't know that I trust Jesus, I don't know that I know Jesus, I am not convinced that Jesus is much more than a good teacher, and you're kind of scaring me with all this authority stuff. Here's my challenge to you. Find a teaching of Jesus, and I don't know, set yourself up like a four-week experiment. Decide, I'm gonna. I'm going to actually do this teaching of Jesus. I'm actually implement this teaching of Jesus into my life and into my relationships, and I'm going to see what happens. I dare you. Because I believe the teaching of Jesus is so good, so brilliant, that while there are times when it may run us into some trouble, we will see the good effects in our lives if we'll trust him. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to explore maybe here in Luke chapter 6. You can Google it. It's easy to find. And look at the teaching of Jesus and decide, I'm going to do that for four weeks. If you are the one to do that, would you please come and tell me? Because I'd love to hear your story. Because the teaching of Jesus comes with a promise those who hear my words and put it into practice will have a well built life. And his teaching really, truly matters, but it works. Of course, for any of us who do follow Jesus, the option isn't really there. I mean, we've got to engage it, but the challenge is very, very clear. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? It's time for each one of us to examine under the grace and power that we're given in the Holy Spirit to ask how do we want to follow Jesus? How can I obey? Let me read the words for you again, this time out of the message as we close. Why are you so polite with me, always saying, yes, sir. And that's right, sir. But never do anything I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They're foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. Jesus wants every single one of us to have well-built lives that can withstand the chaos. He doesn't want us to be crumbling houses of cards. And he's offering us the only foundation for that unshakable life, his teaching. The question is, are we gonna build our lives on it? Let's do it. Let's pray. Jesus, you offered us amazing teaching, life-changing teaching, teaching that leads us to life a well-built life. We confess to you that we have often heard your words but not put them into practice. And you see the shakiness of our foundation, the shakiness of our houses as a result. And you long to see us standing firm and immovable. And so, I ask, Lord, in my own life, that you, that you would be the authority over me. That I would be A follower of yours who's actively doing what you say, failing at it, but trying and learning along the way and under grace, more and more, implementing your words into my life. And I pray that for all of us, that we would be a church that implements your teaching into our life as a body, our life as a church family, I pray that this would be true in our, in our uh, various relationships that we have, both in our homes and in our workplaces, in our schools, in our community. Lord Jesus, we, though we often forget, we look to you today and ask that you would help us truly do what you say. For those of us today who are able to identify a teaching Of yours that we need to obey, I pray that you would give us uh, the clarity, the courage, the insight to do that. To do that in response to you. To do that in the power of the Spirit. For those of us here today who don't yet follow you, Jesus, are not looking to you yet as an authority in their lives, but are willing to take an aspect of your teaching and implement it, I pray for them as well. And I pray that their experience of taking your teaching and implementing it into their lives, that they would see the effects that has. They would see the goodness of that. And they would look to you for more. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us such good teaching that we can build our lives on. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.